Securing Family Wellness Beyond Life, an intimate conversation with Mallory McGrath. Join us for a heart-to-heart talk with Mallory McGrath, the founder and CEO of Vive Planning. In this insightful interview, Mallory shares her mission to normalize conversations around death and aging and to change societal mindsets about end-of-life planning. Taking us beyond traditional estate planning, Mallory delves into the emotional aspects that are often overlooked. She underlines the importance of having open and honest communication with your family about your end-of-life process, medical interventions, and after-death wishes. Through her expertise, learn how to ensure your family's wellness even after you're gone. Discover how having a will in place, preparing your funeral, and more can prevent discord, jealousy, and resentment within your loved ones. This is a conversation you don't want to miss as Mallory guides us through guaranteeing our family's well-being long after we part ways. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Let me share with you a little bit more about the guests we have here today. Mallory McGrath, the oldest of four siblings from a blended family, has spent over a decade as a litigation law clerk specializing in estate litigation. Her personal and professional experiences have shown her the importance of open communication and acceptance in family dynamics, particularly during emotionally taxing times like inheritance disputes. She believes in actively listening and validating each family member's feelings, recognizing that everyone wants to be heard. Mallory's vision is to centralize families in the planning process, promoting harmony through good communication, and she looks forward to working with you on your life's journey, offering legal expertise 
deep empathy and understanding. I'm excited to welcome here today, Miss Mallory McGrath. Welcome. Thanks, April. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. It's awesome to have you on the show because this topic is something so far overlooked, as you well know, and it is such an, a great importance for families all across the world. We don't mm -hmm. escape death. And so it's definitely something that we want to tune into and find mm -hmm. out more about how do we, you know, communicate with our family members, with our siblings, with all of the things that happen to come up during those times. So I'm excited to have you. And I would love to start by sharing more with the audience a little bit more about you. Let's get to know you. Sure. Yeah. So I come from a blended family, which you said before, which I think is really key in um, breaking down sort of how I've had the journey I've had and where I've gotten. So I had this great blended family atmosphere when I was a child and I come from a very musical family as well. So I actually ended up going off to school to university at McGill University in Montreal and Quebec in Canada. And I studied opera for four years, which was really wow. cool um, and uh, had a blast there. Um, did the struggling artist thing for a few years and just realized that that wasn't my jam. It just wasn't giving me sort of that career life passion that I wanted. Um, and ended up meeting a lawyer um, in an artistic setting and he ended up hiring me to be his law clerk. Now in Canada, law clerks are a little bit different for the viewers who are in the United States. Um, more like a, a legal assistant or a paralegal in the US is what a law clerk is in Canada. And so I worked with him for about a decade. And during that time, we were really focused on estate litigation. And I'd be working with these families and there's so much emotion in estate litigation because it typically occurs after there's been a death in the family. So you've got a lot of grief and greed and jealousy just mixing up in there into this really destructive cocktail of emotions. Mm. And as I worked with these families, all I wanted to do was fix the problem. But the problem with that was that the problem initially occurred prior to their loved one's death. And it was the fact that these families were not communicating about all of the complexities that come with aging, legacy, wealth, and death. And from there, my company Vive Planning blossomed and came from that legal world and became a very holistic view of what estate planning should be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I may have said vibe planning before, so I apologize. It's That's okay. Thank you very much. And so I can't wait to get into where that name originated from as well. But yeah. I want to go back a little bit too, because you stemmed from this really interesting background where you talked about opera. And I would venture mm -hmm. to say that from that, there's so much emotion that you project out into the world <laughs> through opera, right? And so yes. you really had this, this, you have this beautiful sense of yourself that really taps into the emotional connection between human beings. And so mm -hmm. it makes sense to me that it's very fitting for you to be portraying yourself like this out into the world. So when you know, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. I come from a law enforcement background where you see so much high intensity emotions mm -hmm. during certain circumstances, especially around death. And it's, it's difficult for us as humans to, to manage that when we're in that moment of experiencing the loss of 
uh, a loved one. And of course, all of those emotions are stemming from the experiences that we had with that person. So it just trickles on between everybody else that's also had the involvement with those experiences. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Exactly. No, I couldn't agree with you more. It's really incredible to see how people behave just days before a loved one dies and then how there can be such a transition right after their loved one passes. Um, And really, if you can look back on the way that a family sort of progressed through traumas or difficult situations that happened to them, there is a pattern that develops. And a lot of times we just don't recognize it. We see it as very acute and situational, the way that people react. But a lot of times that tends to be how they react to anything negative, including the loss of someone in their life. So it's an interesting topic to dive into, really sitting back and observing families in that way. It truly is. So Mallory, now I'm just, my curiosity is so piqued. Let's dive right in. Mm -hmm. What is some of the ways that you tap into some of those past emotions? How do you get to the root cause of some of those emotional responses? Mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people, like a lot of the families that I work with, let's say I'm working with a couple who are in their mid sixties or so, and they're around that retirement age. You know, a lot of times they haven't given themselves permission to really take stock of what their life as possibly parents um, or their life as really great siblings or, or children to their own parents has been. And when you really reflect back on how certain situations have come up in your life, different paths you've taken, how you've reacted to things that have happened, when you take stock of that, that can be really meaningful for you individually, and then for you with your spouse or partner, and then for you with your whole family altogether. But it's also not necessarily um, a fun process. I mean, I think it's a very meaningful one, but it can bring up so many emotions, positive and negative, feelings that you've done a good job of suppressing, of just not tapping into. But if you take the time to really reflect on how you've responded to things in your life, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean you for sure will respond that way in future, but it's a pretty good insight into how you and those around you are going to react to those tough life situations occurring. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love how you really take it into that, that deeper aspect of wanting to find out more. And I feel like, Mallory, you bring people to this sense of curiosity. I feel like when we go back to ask ourselves these questions, going to it at a place of uh, non-judgment and Mm -hmm. more curiosity really is very helpful during that process. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I feel like that's something that I 
um, sometimes have to force, but like to do as well sometimes for myself is really look back at something even really far back in my past when I was a child or, or in my teen years and think to myself, why did I react that way? What was going on? Yeah, maybe a lot of hormones. That's fair. But, you know, there's probably another reason as well that I reacted that way. And if I in my 36 year old self were in that situation that I was in when I was 16, would I react that same way now? And what have I learned in these 20 years that's that's made my life more productive and 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 fulfilling? You know, taking the time to really reflect on that can be really meaningful in the long run for you. Absolutely. Is there instances, Mallory, where you have people, let's take a, well, you'll know better than I because you work with people all the time, but is there instances where people just refuse to come to agreement? And I would assume so. And if so, and when, what do you do? How do you handle that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely saw that a lot in the estate litigation work that I did, because at that point, you're suing someone that you at one point loved right? You're suing your sibling most times I find. And that you don't come back from that. Once you hit that point where you sue a family member, you're not going to fix that bond. I, I'd be hard pressed to find a family that does. Um, and so that's really interesting to, to meet people who are just, just steadfast in their belief that they are right. And sometimes you can massage that area, you can get them to sort of see other, the other side. And that's usually in the estate litigation world, how mediation occurs, right? Everyone comes together, no one gets exactly what they want, but everyone gets a little version of what they want. And hopefully you can settle the matter. But now when I work with families, a lot of times I'm working with them long before anything has occurred, right? We're doing preventative planning, as opposed to dealing with people who are very specifically in, in the difficult situation at that time. And when I'm working with families in that preventative way, a lot of times when I have clients in particular who are really just uncomfortable with the topics that we're talking about, it really is about taking the time and having a lot of patience and being really open to their particular views on these topics. Because obviously I have my own beliefs about aging, about legacy, about death, about after death. I have all my own thoughts. I have thoughts that my spouse and I talk about. I have thoughts on how my own family plans to live out their life. But I could be working with a client who has completely different views. And what's really key is being entirely open to what they're saying, even if what they're saying comes across as negative to me and very closed off, because they're feeling that way for a reason. And what occurs a lot of times in traditional estate planning, so when you're working with a lawyer or a financial advisor or planner, is that they have a very specific task ahead of them and they charge ridiculous hourly rates. <laughs> and there's mm. only so much um, empathy and time for that empathy that they are able to give. So something that's really key at V planning is that we focus on taking the time, no matter how much time it takes, to really allow um, someone we are working with and their family to work through those very heavy emotions that they're dealing with when talking about these subjects, when disagreeing about these subjects, because you're not going to force a person to just agree with you that you want to be cremated instead of buried. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if someone has a strong view, that's it. So you need to take the time to explain why you're making a choice, why emotionally, why logistically, and then give them an opportunity to absorb that information and hopefully at least respect the decision that you've made, but even more so hopefully understand it and be able to move forward with it. 
Right. And well, key things is planning, right? You're doing this all, you know, pre-death before yeah. the experience even happens. So I think mm -hmm. that is definitely key. And I love that you talk about really having the patience with others and being so open-minded to allow them to share their voice, their feelings, their thoughts, their emotions, because all of us have totally different perspectives on matters in often cases, especially in matters involving the heart. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love how you really go about this and uh, presenting yourself with others and listening. There's so much to be said about the communication with others and that listening ear where we allow that space to other for others to voice their opinions, expressions, and feelings. So I, I would love to know, Mallory, when we're on this topic, what was the first experience for you where you really, uh, it was the aha moment, it was the key moment, the pertinent moment where you realized this is something that you really wanted to offer to the world? Mm -hmm. So it's actually a funny story that I thoroughly enjoy telling. So I was working as a litigation law clerk and we were in a mediation and a retired judge was actually acting as the mediator. And we, uh, the lawyer I worked with was representing two children, two sisters. And then on the other side was the other sister and brother. And we were all together in the room. We had been separate. So they'd been able to speak with the mediator and then we all come together and we're sitting there. I'm taking notes, being silent, which is pretty much my job in that situation. And all of a sudden, one of our clients stands up slams her hands down on the desk and points in this aggressive fashion across the table to her other sister and says, mom bought you the Judy Jetson lunchbox. And I just freeze. And then I start laughing uncontrollably because is this what we're fighting about? Are we fighting about a lunchbox? Are we fighting about a purchase that your mother made 50 years ago? Is that what's going on? I had to leave the room because I could not stop laughing. And as I'm outside trying to calm myself down, because I was for sure being unprofessional in that moment, I realized it's not about the lunchbox. The lunchbox is love. Money, mm -hmm. a lot of times, is love, particularly when it's being gifted in a last will and testament. So our client wasn't freaking out over a lunchbox. She was freaking out because she didn't feel like mom loved her as much as her sister. And the oh. lunchbox for her was this originating moment in her life where she felt less than one of her siblings. And that was when I realized no matter how much great work I do as a law clerk, and there were families we were able to help, it was not all ridiculous stories, but no matter how much work I do, I'm not actually helping to fix the problem. I'm really just putting band-aids on the problem. In order to fix the problem, I need to go so much further back. And instead of knowing these four siblings who I was in the room with, I need to know their parents. And I need to help their parents to understand the importance of planning ahead, but also involving their four children in that process so that there's understanding and clarity and respect for the decisions that are being made. And so shortly thereafter, that hilarious experience, I started doing a lot of case studies around the different files that I'd worked on as a law clerk and started to recognize that in order for us to really make an impact on families in the estate planning industry, we need to be looking at this from a much more holistic view. It cannot just be about legal. It cannot just be about money or taxes. It needs to be about family dynamics and emotions. And then you move on to those more 
tangible traditional things. So from there, Vive Planning was born and we've been working with clients ever since. You know, Mallory, that is that is so pertinent what you're talking about, how, you know, all of those things is love. Mm-hmm. And, and I really like how you went there because when we talk about what we need essentially as human beings and the things that we crave on a spiritual, emotional mm-hmm. aspect is it, that's one of them. I mean, that's one of the huge things, right? Besides shelter and security and all of those things, when you really get down to that root, it definitely, we want to feel loved and accepted. And so I, I think it's just really cool how you came to that conclusion and then thus went into some deeper research and understanding of, okay, well, how do we get there with people? So mm-hmm. that story is brilliant. I love it. And I agree with you. I would love sharing that story as well. Mm-hmm. So what happened after that, when you started pulling things together and you started working with families, what was some of the the things that you started to see, the transitions that were taking place? Mm-hmm. I mean, up front, the thing that I definitely realized is that we as a society, and in particular, I would say a North American society, are really down on talking about getting old and dying. It's just been wrapped up in this little bubble for us as North Americans that it's a depressing thing to talk about, that if you do talk about it, you're either bringing on bad luck, right? I shouldn't talk about this thing because maybe it'll happen. Or you are, you know, this person who really doesn't have a great outlook on life because you're choosing to think about your own death or aging process. And really, that couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, I remember there's this wonderful woman who I grew up knowing in my town, and she was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer and only had a few months to live. And she completely changed changed her view on what life meant to her in those few months. And that's because she had this, she knew that she was going to die soon. She had this thing looming over her and that completely transitioned her mind. And so something that I try to explain to my clients is if you take a second and truly think about dying tomorrow, like really take a minute and imagine that, that you're hit by a bus on your way to the park to pick up your grandkids, right? Imagine that for a second. It's horrific. It's not going to feel good. But have you lived your life the way you want to? And I don't mean having regrets like, oh, I didn't take that big trip to Spain last year. I mean, no. Are you really the person that you want to be? Is your family the way that you want it to be right now? And if the answer is no, then make some changes. Because even though you might not have a terminal illness diagnosis, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. That could happen. And so take stock in that. Take a second to really reflect on your life. So that's a big thing that we've noticed a big trend in with our clients is that they haven't taken the time to think that way because they've been taught through media, through our society, through their own circle of friends, that thinking about getting old and thinking about dying makes you a depressive person. But that's definitely not the case. No. And it can be met in this beautiful way. I think that when you begin with the end in mind and we start considering what do we want that to look like? What do we want to be remembered as? What do we want to leave in the legacy? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we do take time to reflect on that. It, it, there is a sense of peace. I would Mm -hmm. imagine, you know, I know that there, there is for me when I contemplate those things and Mm -hmm. you're right, I have to be led 
to come to that point. I have to be a part of a group where they're like, okay, this is the, the, the thing that we're all going to be working on as a group mm -hmm. to, to explore and write down and share and never would have done it if it wasn't presented to me that way. If, if we weren't doing it as something that we needed to do to be a part of the group or what have you, whatever circumstance it is for people to really be brought to that. But it's not something that we just typically think about on our own. And you're correct. You know, the way that we are as a society, we don't go there. We no. are not conditioned to go there. That is not the place that we concentrate on. You know, I experienced it so much in law enforcement, which is why there's not very many people that are able to handle the position because mm -hmm. they're they're not used to it and they can't bring themselves they're close enough to get used to it. And, and not like we ever do, but it's mm -hmm. a different perspective on this. It's just a transition, right? Where we are these physical beings, but we're also energetic and we're just transitioning to a different space and place. And exactly. I think it's a lot of perception, but what do we do while we're here, right? In this physical realm to make it so it's easier for the people that we're leaving behind. And you're doing mm -hmm. exactly that. Now I'm curious, Mallory, let's go into, let's go into the, the name of this business, because I, I think it's a very unique and less I, which is very possible. There is some sort of meaning behind Vive and I just don't know it, but could you please explain to me what it is, how you came to it and what the passion is behind that name? Sure. So I will say I did not come up with the name. A brilliant woman named Catherine Haru did, who's a marketing specialist here in Canada. Um, I had played around with a lot of names um, and I just, I wanted one that, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, would look really cool because I wanted to be able to engage people with our brand. That was really important. I didn't want it to necessarily be like estate planning by Mallory, right? I wanted it to have something interesting. And in Canada, we have two official languages, English and French. Um, and so I know that one day I'd love to be able to expand Vive across different provinces in Canada. And um, Quebec in Canada is French. They speak French predominantly there. So Catherine actually happens to be francophone she's from quebec so she started coming up with names that could translate well between the two languages now vive if you spell it with one i instead of two means to live in french mm. so that was the idea we didn't want people to think of vive planning as just a death company because really we focus a yeah. lot more on aging than we do on end of life um we go through the end of life process we even help with estate administration after death but we really wanted people to think of us as a life company we are helping you to plan out your life which inevitably does end so vive is to live. However, we put the two eyes in there because when you look at our at our logo, actually, you'll see the way that the eyes are is they're actually turned into each other as if they're two people talking. Hmm. And so we wanted this sense of collaboration and communication and cooperation, the three C's that we like to talk about at Vive. This idea that, you know, I, as your legacy coordinator, working with you, the client, that we are collaborating together, that when we bring in trusted partners like lawyers and advisors, that they are collaborating and working together, that you and your family are working together to make a better future, that it's constantly not just about me, it's about all of us. 
Mallory, I love asking those questions about people's uh, logos and branding because oftentimes there is a deeper message behind mm -hmm. it. So I love that the two eyes are coming together like people talking. I think that's awesome. And then just the meaning behind it is living life. That's what we're doing here. And uh, if we're not doing that, then we're not really living, right? So <laughs> I think that is really cool that you bring that. And um, my one of my questions to you, Mallory, would be, how has it been for you? Because you talked about the marketing piece. You want to make it cool. You don't want it to be estate planning. I mean, that sounds so well, everybody has their own opinions, right? Yeah. And so how has it been for you to come into this market to, to meet the clientele that you're looking for? What has that experience been like for you? And have you noticed anything that has really been working for you? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that um, in the style of planning that we do, a lot of times um, the clients who work with us expect expect to be pushed. I'll use that term. They expect that we are going to ask them a lot of questions and put them in a lot of emotional situations that they probably don't want to do, but are choosing to do, right? Mm -hmm. If someone just wants to estate plan, they're going to go find some lawyer in their town and they're going to get a will drafted, maybe get some power of attorney or health proxy documents and call it a day. And that's it. So those people, when they meet with us, they quickly learn what we're about and they just go their own way. But the people who end up staying and working with us, they know, usually because they've had a life experience themselves, typically with an aging parent who's still alive or who has passed, where they realize that we need so much more to really prepare ourselves and our families for the aging process and end of life. And so when those clients come along, even though it can be a challenging process for them, they buy it. They really, really do, which has been incredible. So business for us has really been strictly word of mouth because people are happy at the mm. end of this process. They might be a little, you know, a little tired. One person said she felt a little battered and bruised, but not in the bad way. She said, it's like when you go for a massage, you know, and, and it hurts after, but then it feels so much better two days later. <laughs> and I was like, okay, if that's, if that's what people are thinking of when they think of working with me, that works for me. That's all right. Because it isn't going to be an easy process thinking about getting older and thinking about losing autonomy over your life as you get older. And then thinking about dying, it, it isn't going to be easy, but it is so worthwhile at the end of the day. Um, so that's a really big trend that we see with our clients. And the fact that they keep sending their friends and family our way is really just such a high, high compliment to me and to my team that, that they feel so that they've bought into our mentality, first of all, but then also that they feel the need to share it with others. It's just so meaningful to us at the end of the day. That's a really great way to put it. And I and I like how your client was explaining it of the process. Yeah. This uh, massage hurts, but you know, if you drink a lot of water, the health yeah. benefits are just going to be exponential. So exactly. I think that you're correct. Word of mouth also is so, so powerful. And mm -hmm. yeah, you're, you're bringing to light a lot of different avenues that you don't traditionally get. And mm -hmm. of course you can include all of the different peoples and buckets with mediation and the lawyers, but those are all separate people. Whereas I feel mm -hmm. that you're really combining all of that under one roof, which is really a beautiful thing that you're offering. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to go into a little bit, let's bring in some of the photos. 
these are some of your clients. There's just a couple pictures, but I want to make sure that we share with the audience. Can you share a little bit about these photos with us? Yeah, so we were really lucky to bring in some families. Actually, these were taken like in the height of COVID, which is why a lot of these photos are outdoors. Um, so we were able to bring in some families and sit down and really I'm just talking to them about the work that we do at Vive. So this was a multi-generational family that we spoke with. So um, we have this lovely couple here that are sort of around my age in their 30s and 40s. And then um, the wife's parents were there and their kids were actually jumping on the trampoline behind me. <laughs> you can't see them there but they were all there together and they all listened to the work that we wanted to do at Vive and how we believed it was so important for a multi-generational family to have a really good understanding of planning for the aging process planning for end of life and after death that's beautiful yeah, and here, oh, it's such a great family. So we were strolling around in sort of their back um, parking lot alleyway and the kids were on bikes and we were just having a great conversation. And here, you know, I'm speaking with a young couple that has young kids. And when you plan for, you know, people who are in their 30s that have young children, you are planning for an unexpected death. You're planning for this idea that they get in a car accident tomorrow when they're out on date night and all of a sudden they leave these kids orphaned and what happens from there. So it's a different process when I work with younger clients. We think about the aging process for sure, but it isn't right in the forefront of their mind because you know they're in their 30s, they just bought a house, they have kids, like they're not thinking about that. But I think especially with young parents, once they have children, they do have those moments where they go, oh my God, what would happen if I weren't here? And so being able to support a younger generation like that and really teach them about the importances of planning ahead like this has been really invaluable. And we've seen that, you know, a lot of times when we work with clients who are in their 60s, 70s, even 80s, when we meet their children then, which is a big part of our process, getting to know the whole family, when we meet their children, we see that education being passed mm. down generation to generation. And my long-term hope is that we get to a point where the generations that are younger than me, what are they all called? I forget now, right? Gen Z and Gen Alpha, that they have such a better appreciation for the aging process and yeah. for end of life and that they don't feel, they don't get that immediate, you know, that immediate backup, that immediate uncomfortable feeling when someone mentions it, that it's actually just a part of their vernacular. It's a part of their conversation process and that they're comfortable with it. That's great to know. And you're right. You're, you're carrying this through now creating tradition and you're going mm -hmm. down those family lines where there's more comfort involved with it because it's something that they're familiar with now and exactly. in creating these processes throughout the generations. Now, mm -hmm. I'm curious, Mallory, has the, do, how often do you and your team circle back, readdress for any changes that might need to take place within that initial planning. Mm -hmm. So we do that, I would say about twice a year, I tend to go away, I'm actually going away soon, on what I call Vive retreats. They're actually just me. <laughs> but I go away because I, I have a young child, I have a husband who's got a big busy job himself. And so I need to separate myself from that so that I can really reflect on the work we've done with clients, um, the work we do spreading our message like we're doing here on your wonderful show, and really make sure that we are staying aligned 
aligned with what our values are at Vive and that we are producing a lot of education and content for people to learn from to slowly become comfortable with this topic. So that's a really big part for us. And then I have a great team of five people who work with me um, and they are really on board with us experimenting with different things and trying out different ways of communicating and spreading our message. And I feel so lucky that I found all of them. They're so great to work with. Mallory, what are some of the things that, because you've, you've talked a little bit about your needing to keep yourself in you know, a great space, taking some time away from yourself in order to really be present and the best way that you can show up for your clients and mm -hmm. your team and your family. And we could go on and on, right? Because that self-care is really essential. So mm -hmm. what are some of the other things that you do when you're a, a beautiful woman wearing all of these hats, providing this incredible service to so many families? What are some of the things that you do in order to keep that, that healthy balance for yourself? Mm -hmm. So a big thing for me is that I actually have health problems of my own. I have three autoimmune diseases and they take their toll. And so something I definitely learned, especially after having a baby, because I think after you have kids as women, your body goes crazy. Um, I definitely learned that when my body says you're done, I'm done. There really is no pushing it. So something I've learned is that, for instance, after we finish this great interview today, I'll have had all this energy coming out of me because we've been talking and I'm going to be on a high and then I'm going to crash, right? That's just an inevitable performance high and crash. Well, when I crash, instead of trying to get a whole bunch more work done before I have to go pick up my daughter, I'm going to lay down. I'm just going to lay down and I'm going to let go of the guilt that I'm not doing all the stuff that I need to get done. And I'm going to lay down for 15 minutes, 20 30 until all of a sudden I feel that my body has evened out and then mm -hmm. I have a little uptake in energy. And that for me was really key. Um, I've had fibromyalgia since I was a teenager. I had a series of injuries that caused some damage to my back and neck and being able to recognize when I need to stop has been a huge thing for me. And I think for a lot of working moms, especially mompreneurs out there, we don't stop. And I think that's the downfall for a lot of moms who are business owners is that they don't stop and actually take care of themselves, right? It's that whole put the mask on yourself before you put it on your kid or the person who's with you on the airplane, right? If you do not take care of yourself, you really cannot wear all of those hats and be this exceptional person for all the other people in your life or in your business. So for me, that's been really key. For the most part, I do listen to myself, although I'll admit I slip up like everybody else does, but it's been a really big part of me being able to accomplish all the things that I want to out of my life. Mallory, so powerful, that aspect. Thank you so much for sharing that with our audience because I agree with you. I too have an autoimmune disease, not three. I'm not as, uh, you know, not as blessed as you apparently. <laughs> well, so I'm an overachiever. <laughs> it, but, but you have recognized and learned to listen to your body. And like you said, not always, not always the best at it, but you have, you have taught yourself that when you, when it's time to slow down, you do. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate that, that you do that first off, that you've learned that, that you've recognized it, that you're sharing that with us, with the audience. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely have found that to be a key 
proponent as well in my own health is mm-hmm. you have to know when to just slow down to stop. And it's definitely easier said than done when you are a high performer and you just never seem to stop or slow down. And I recall when my kiddos were younger, I don't think I ever sat down. I didn't watch TV. I was always up. I was always moving. I was working. I was doing all the things on foot. Uh, Go, 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 go. And to realize the, the profound uh, profoundness of what slowing down and stopping does for your health yeah. is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I think they say that stress is the worst thing for your body. Like, I think that's the first thing any doctor says to you if you come in and complain about something, right? Well, have you had more stress in your life lately? <laughs> when someone asks me that, I just laugh and go, isn't that just like all the time? But really, it's good or bad stress. I think there's both right? Like, you know, when you get excited about coming on a show like this, right? Your, your, your adrenaline starts running, all these hormones start going, that's still stressful on your body. It is, it's good stress because I'm excited to be here, but it still is. So it's actually balancing all of that out, right? If you're Mm. not just sitting at your computer, even keeled all day, well, then your body's going up and down with how it's feeling and making sure that you take the time to take care of yourself so that you can then be a great mom, be a great spouse, be a great daughter, be a great, you know, business owner and help your clients, you've got to put yourself first, so that then you can give so much to everybody else. Mallory, you have such great wisdom and experience and advice. And so it makes me wonder if you often find yourself kind of coaching your clients into how to have this longevity, when we're talking on the topic of life and death and planning, etc. But you know, what I'm most curious about, Mallory, is you've gone into this profession, this passion project of yours, where you're you're really bringing this beautiful gift to families. What has it done for you and your family personally? Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting. You know, when I work with clients where you know, especially if I work with someone my age, who's trying to get their parents to do more planning, they'll always be like, God, they won't listen to me. They won't listen to me. I don't know what to do, Mallory. How do I, how do I get them to listen? And I always laugh and go, I don't know. I don't know how to get my parents to listen. (laughs) Um, Because I think at the end of the day, if someone's changed your diaper when you were a child, it's pretty hard for them to take you, you know, entirely seriously as an adult. But for me, what's been great is that I actually have four parents, my parents divorced and remarried, and all four of them have been incredibly supportive of the work I do. I think at first they were a little surprised. Um, It was definitely a switch um, because all of a sudden I was talking about getting old and dying and that wasn't something they were used to. Um, But to all of their credit, they've all really come on board. They've actually worked with me. Um, uh, You know, I I didn't charge them. I gave them the family rate, but they, uh, they actually worked with me and put a lot of plans in place for themselves and been really open with my siblings. I have a sister and two brothers and they've been really open with all of them as well, which is so key is involving everybody in that process. So it's been really incredible to see them learn and grow as well and become a little bit more comfortable with these topics. And then within my own household, um, I mean, my husband's the first to say that he doesn't want to talk or think about any of this, um, but he does it. And uh, we do a really good job of checking in 
probably once a year um, at this stage in our life on things. We do a review of our legal documents. We we really reflect on like people that we've appointed in our will and power of attorney documents. Are these still the right people based off of what's going on in their lives? Um, and we also have conversations about um, end of life interventions, aging choices. No joke this morning, we were driving somewhere together and I actually turned to him and said, you know, if you get Alzheimer's one day, can I just like put you in a long-term care home or do you want me to take care of you at home? <laughs> Out of the blue, I just like popped this question at him. He's like, okay, yeah, we'll talk about that, Mallory. <laughs> but you know, we had this great conversation. It took maybe five minutes where we both kind of talked about how we feel about um, degenerative diseases, how we'd want the other person to be involved in that process or not, when we'd feel comfortable being moved out of the home into a long-term care home. And then we got to our destination. We did it in five minutes. I mean, that's not what it's gonna be like for everyone, but the fact that we are able to have those conversations and really push ourselves to understand what the other person wants, I think has made our marriage even stronger as well because there are couples I see who've been married 40 plus years and have never talked about subjects like that together. Yeah, I think it's incredibly respectful. I really exactly. do. And I, you know, I would imagine what is that like for you, Mallory? You have a lot of game players here in the family. <laughs> you've got four parents, you've got, you know, the siblings, you have mm -hmm. the spouse and the children, and all mm -hmm. of these players involved as with many of your clients, like you talked about these, this is not just, you know, one set of the family, but we're going down the line where we have mm -hmm. everybody involved in communicating. And, but I, I want to know, what does that feel like to alleviate that sort of stress? Yeah, a big part of it is being ridiculously organized. I've learned that because I can't keep my own life and extended family in my head and then six other families lives and extended family that's that's not going to happen there's only so much brain power <laughs> um so being incredibly organized is really key i detail everything out i mean one of the members of my team is my brilliant executive assistant and she's actually just these past six or eight months she's been working with me now put a lot of procedures in place so that everything isn't in mallory's head so that it's put somewhere else, right? Um, and she's figured out ways that work best for me to take what's in my brain and get it on paper. Um, and that's been really key so that I can kind of work with a client, do the active work that we have, say we don't touch base for another two years. Well, I'm able to just sort of pull everything out, put it over here and, you know, forget about them for a, a period of time. And then when it comes time for us to do a review or something happens in their life and they reach out to me, I'm able to pull up all that information, absorb it quickly and dive right back into their life again. And it isn't just logistical things that we detail, it's how I felt when I was sitting in a room with them. It's how they mm -hmm. reacted to questions that I asked. It's how their children reacted to being told something. Um, it's, it's really looking at people's whys and people's reactions and then detailing that down because those are those little intimate moments or things that I probably will forget, right? Just with everything else going on in my life and the other clients I have. So detailing those moments is really key for me to be able to dive right back in with the family again and feel like I still have that emotional connection with them. 
That's pretty incredible, Mallory, I do have to say. And, you know, as somebody who has studied people's uh, reactions, the body language, I've had a few mm -hmm. guests on the show that talk about that, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. But what you're talking about is really being keen on how people are feeling and reacting, mm -hmm. really those, those little tweaks in body language and how they're responding and taking note of that. Because mm -hmm. when you do that, it's, it's this investigative aspect of yourself to really get down to, okay, what is more of the root feelings and causes of this? And that's how, when I know this information, I get to respond and address it in this way. And I can shift gears and angle it this way and, and present something to light that we may not have otherwise caught. Exactly. It really is about, as you said, shifting gears or pivoting. There are times where I get thrown something in a situation and I don't have a great poker face. I really don't. So they generally get a pretty raw reaction from me initially. And then I go, okay, all right. Okay, let's go this way, right? And be able to pivot with them on whatever thing they've thrown my way, I think is really key. Um, but I also think it's important, like they get that genuine reaction from me. You know, sometimes people throw ideas my way and I'm just so shocked by it that it's, it's very clear. And then I go, okay, well, if that's an area you want to explore, yeah, cool. Let's figure out how we, we do this thing you're talking about there, right? Um, so it's being really open to things that clients can throw your way. But I also like them to see my reaction because if I react that way, there's a good chance someone else, someone they actually really care about might react that way as well. Um, so I really try to give them a very open view of how I think and how I feel and how I might do something. But then ultimately, once they have all the information at their fingertips, once they know the positive and negative consequences of any action that they take, that it's their decision, it's their life, it's their family, they can do what they want. But I want them to have that information right there in front of them so that they make the best decision for themselves possible. Absolutely. I could tell that how passionate you are. You really you. are bringing to light so many incredible things that, that not every business is bringing to families. Mm -hmm. So what has been the most exciting thing that you get from doing what you do? What's, what's the most passionate, what brings you to light the most? Uh, you know, two things. One is that um, when families finish doing sort of their active work with me, um, it's, it's hearing how they feel at the end of that. I usually give them a quick call on the phone, maybe a couple days after I've delivered a plan to them, or we've had a family meeting and I'll be like, okay, how are you feeling? It's been a few days. That was a big meeting or that was a big emotional thing we did. How are you? And usually they feel tired from it because it is, it's a huge emotional output doing a lot of this work. But to hear them talk about how relaxed they feel, even in that exhaustion, how much peace of mind that they now have that they didn't even realize they needed before, but that now they know they desperately were searching for for so long. That is mm. so rewarding to me that I'm able to have that impact on individual families. And something that then this past year, me and my team have been discussing is how do we take that very one-on-one -on -one intimate experience and expand that? How do we help even more families? Because there's only so fast you can grow a service-based company. So how do mm -hmm. we do that? So a big thing we're really doing is putting a lot of education out there. So joining TikTok, which I didn't think I'd ever do, but I did, right? And, and sharing a lot of information that way and working with a PR consultant to get a lot more 
information out there. I mean, the best way to reach people is with video, whether that's on the news or on lifestyle television or podcasts that record like this with video, getting someone to see your personality, see the enthusiasm you have for a really important topic and Mm. to give really helpful tips and tricks to allow people to feel like they can start even thinking about these things, let alone talking about them, is what's really important to us. My team and I are really making that a mission for the remainder of this year in 2024 is giving as much information and really putting a call to action out there to people in North America to realize that we need to be thinking about, talking about, and actively making a change for how we age and how we die in our society. Oh, Mallory, you know, one of my questions I always ask my guests is what is next and what is, what is your big audacious goal? Right. And I think that you definitely just answered that you, you have this passion idea and you're thinking and working with your team on how do we best get this out to others? So it Mm -hmm. sounds to me like you absolutely bring this service to people all across the globe. Am I Mm -hmm. correct? I mean, that's definitely a goal. My personal goal is that one day Vive is running and thriving and I have a great COO who manages everything and that I can just be speaking. I just want to be out there speaking and giving Mm. this information and helping people, helping advisors, helping lawyers, helping end of life doulas, helping real estate agents, anyone who touches on the estate planning industry, just help them to be able to really unite families so that we don't see the breakdown of families over something that for sure could have been fixed ahead of time. That's a really big thing for me long-term is I wanna feel like, yes, I've helped individual families. Yes, I brought peace to those families, but that we've also started to spread that out and made so much more of a national impact and potentially, yeah, a global impact in the long run. Ah, it's incredible. I, I. Love having people on the show that have those big visions. That's oftentimes the people that are here on the Wellness Driven Life Show. And that being said, Mallory McGrath, it's been incredible to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show with this this vision that you have in order to help families through that very pertinent process. So is there anything else that you want to share with us? Sure. I think the most important thing to remember is that if something's difficult, you shouldn't give up on it. I think we say that to our kids, to our friends, to our family all the time. Well, this is a difficult thing to do. Thinking about getting old, and I don't just mean aesthetically, I mean really thinking about getting older, losing control over your body, and thinking about dying is a difficult thing to do. It is not gonna be easy or fun, but it is so incredibly rewarding for you, for the people you love most who are around you, that is the most important thing you can do is to start having these conversations with yourself and then having them with those around you. And if you don't know how to start, that's okay. There are people out there in your community and abroad, and we are happy to help as well. You can reach out to us and and be able to support you through that process. And the other last thing that I will talk about, if that's okay, is that we're actually starting a really great um, Instagram live series that's going to launch on November 15th called V Values. They're going to be short little Instagram lives, probably like 15 to 20 minutes long on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And hopefully that doesn't conflict with any of your live shows, April. Um, But if people want, they can join in. They can follow at Vive Planning on Instagram and you can follow along. We're having on a whole range of experts and people who have a lot of information about life and planning for it and for end of life. So please check us out. 
That is so cool. What a beautiful thing that you're creating. And I love that you have this down. You, you have this strong understanding and realization that really some of the biggest impact is going on camera, is going live. It's, you know, meeting those numbers and algorithms really to get the biggest reach. And that is the beauty of this time and age that we live in. We are mm -hmm. able to make this big impact, have this expansive reach globally because we have this technology. And I, I think it's just the coolest thing ever. So that's why we're here on the Wellness Driven Life Show to shed light and give this knowledge and these stories and this wisdom to the world. And mm -hmm. so Mallory, you really are bringing such an awesome thing. I love that you have that again. Let's share with the audience one more time when you're starting that the times I also have on the screen here. So those of you who are watching with your viewing eyes, it is here on the screen, www.viveplanning.ca. So check mm -hmm. that out. Also, those of you with the listening ears that are tuning in on a podcast, you can find this information on the description, in the description link, always on all of our shows about the guests that we have here. So let's give a shout out one more time about what timing that is happening, because I think that is very, very valuable what you're offering. Thank you. So it's called V Values. It's going to be an Instagram live um, starting. The first one will be November 15th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then they will happen every other Wednesday after that moving forward. I think that's perfect timing as we move into, I know that in Canada, you guys already had your Thanksgiving, but yes. in the US we're we're moving into, but really seasonally, I think for many places across the globe, it is that time where we're really concentrating on family. It yes. is at top of mind, that servitude, being mm -hmm. grateful for, and all of those things are really coming to light. That's the energetic aspect of where the world is right now. So I think the mm -hmm. timing is really key. All right. Well, our time together is coming to a close. It is amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much, April. It was great to chat with you. And so for all of you tuning in, thank you so much for being here. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. We will see you later. Goodbye for now.